Welcome to The Twelfth Story, a book discussion podcast produced by Cincinnati's Mercantile Library, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss. The Mercantile Library is 180 years old and is the literary center of Cincinnati. Throughout the year, the Mercantile Library hosts authors and speakers, book discussion groups, and other civic events. We are a working library with more than 90,000 books available to members. We're located at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and online at mercantilelibrary.com. We always welcome new members and guests. Joining us today in the lecture hall on the 12th story of the Mercantile Building are Becky Cull, an attorney at Conan and Patton. Hi. Joe Hyde, an attorney with Procter & Gamble. Hello and Mary Curran Hackett, an author and writing instructor at Xavier University. Hello. And I'm Abby Moran. I'm a, on the board of directors here at the Mercantile Library, and I am addicted to book clubs. I'm also a teacher and a mom. Today we're going to be discussing War and Peace, Volume 2. We just wrapped up our second meeting of our War and Peace's book discussion group. We're reading War and Peace in, t in four chunks, the four volumes of War and Peace, and we're gathering a group of people together on the second Tuesday of every month to discuss the book. So if you'd like to join in, contact the library, and we'll be discussing volume three in another month, so you have a little time to catch up. Um, there, this is a warning. There will be spoilers discussed today, so pr proceed at your own discretion. So in volume two, a lot happens. Nikolai Rostov returns home on leave with his friend Denisov to find his family's financial affairs in disarray. Count Rostov, despite the financial disarray, gives a ball uh, at which Dolokhov insults Pierre by openly referring to his intimacy with Helene. Pierre wounds Dolokhov in a duel and separates from Helene, leaving her a fortune in the house in Moscow. Pierre, seeking spiritual direction, joins the Masons. Prince Andre meets and falls in love with Natasha. They are secretly engaged while Andre goes to Europe at his father's insistence and spends a year there. Natasha is seduced by Helene's brother, Anatole Karagin, who arranges to elope with her from a house in Moscow. The plan is discovered. Andre, embittered, returns Natasha's letters and takes up residence at his country estate. Well, I loved this volume. I felt like volume one, I, also, I liked, I really enjoyed reading it, but it was a lot of work just to keep all the characters straight. And then I felt like in volume two, it just, it was flowing. And um, how did you all feel about the experience of reading volume two? I absolutely agree that this this was a much lighter lift than part one, mm -hmm. that part one was beautiful and really well-crafted, but this read as much like a modern novel as anything else that I've read. In the portion of the book where Natasha is getting ready to elope with Anatole, I stayed up way past my bedtime, and it was the kind of page-turner that you expect to find today, not necessarily in Tolstoy. You know, the idea that there are sections of this book that are page-turners is... Awesome. I really, really liked this portion. Yes, we um, we joke that there's like a category of books that uh, cause you to neglect household duties and neglect your children. Like that, definitely. This volume two definitely fell into that category for me. I was I was uh, unavailable 
to attend to daily life for a little bit while I finished it just to yeah. see what would happen, especially with the whole Natasha, Andre, Anatole, Pierre dynamic. Yeah. What do you think, Mary? Um, at the risk of sign- sounding hyperbolic, I would say that whatever else happens, this is the greatest book that was ever read I- and written. I mean, I am just blown away. Um, and I, as I said earlier, I want to be buried with this book just in case heaven r- is really boring. I'll have um, this to read with me. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. I don't want to be far from it. I, there's so many points in which I can go back. Um, my s- sister actually told me to shut up and stop on um, FaceTime with her on um, Sunday because I was like, there's this section. <laughs> Let me go get it. <laughs> because this applies to your life so perfectly right now. And she's like, really? It doesn't. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's the human condition. This, this has been happening for centuries. Let me just go over this with you. Is so that I fantastic, my, though? Like, Tolstoy is coming up in everyday, everyday life. life. You yeah. can have a therapy practice that totally, yes. or a website where you enter your problem, and then it's solved with, um, with a, a passage. Quote. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been posting them on Instagram. Follow me, MCC Hackett, because I've been posting them all over, and I'm getting all these quotes. But then he's emerging in all these different areas of literature. I just read M Train. Um, and Tolstoy's bear was in there and references to him were, uh, were made and or allusions to, and it's just everywhere I'm going, there's these allusions to him. So it's just very rich. Um, I think what's made it so amazing is the characters have become so fully crafted and three-dimensional. They have left the page and they're out in front of us. And um, the scenery um, mm. is described so beautifully. And then the micro experiences are described with such detail and then the internal monologues um is just i mean it's just rife with um great imagery and stuff so it's yeah i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean and we're talking about pages 300 to 600 of a 1200 page book okay and that's that's kind of what struck me is this this was a fantastic 300-page book we just read, but you kind of need, to me, it helps that you're dropping here into the middle of this richer dialogue. It took 300 pages for these people to become this real, as you were saying, Mary, and then what's going to happen to them over the next 600 pages is something I'm very much looking forward to reading because this is my first time reading the book. I have no idea what's going to happen to these people, but to see what happened to them in these 300 pages and the we talked about it in our book discussion, the, the arc of these characters, when you look at the four or five principal characters, how much they went through in these 300 pages is, is phenomenal. And it's fascinating to read, and it wasn't entirely predictable. Although I got to say, Prince Andre's wife dying in childbirth, it is a Russian novel. Then we decided somebody right. has to die <laughs> right, in childbirth. Right. So that had to happen. But beyond that, the other things that happened to these, these characters were not entirely predictable. The, um, I wrote down the, uh, the seduction of Natasha was 30 pages there in this section, which everyone had the same reaction to, which is what 30 delicious pages of in the middle of this huge Russian novel of these 30 pages of this seduction were, were phenomenal, along with a lot of other things. There's great philosophy in here that we talked about, about the nature of our existence here on the planet. Um, there's interesting stuff about the idleness of soldiers. Uh, the duel itself between Dolokhov and Pierre is really well portrayed. I love that duel. He'd never used a gun before. Pierre, he's, somebody has to show him how to hold it right before, and he wins the duel. He right. shoots Dolokhov, and Dolokhov misses him. And it's just so many rich scenes like that that I think are made richer by the fact that we are in the middle of this long journey. And the introduction talks about it like a travel across Russia 
you're mm -hmm. richer for having done it, but it's a long journey. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in the middle of this long journey and we've gotten to know these people over hundreds of pages and now we're going to find out what happens over the next 600 pages. And I, I'm so invested that the book seems le much less overwhelming than it did. Just, just to look at it sitting on my shelf, I thought, they, oh, this is... This is intense. I need a big group of people to help me do this. <laughs> and now I had to hold myself back from just um, staying up all night to read the next 300 pages. I'm almost angry with myself that it took me 40 years to read it. <laughs> like, what was I so afraid of? I mean, I've read Moby Dick. I've read, I mean, that was boring. <laughs> and I've read like these monster books before. Or I think about, I looked at the stack of Harry Potter books in my son's room mm -hmm. and it's, like 7,000 pages. I'm like, I read all that. But why didn't I pick up this 1,200-page book? What was it that was so intimidating? And I, I'm not sure what. Maybe you're receiving it at the right time. But that, that then I think that. It's sometimes, and I am a true believer, that books come to you at the perfect time mm -hmm. for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. And I honestly don't think I would have appreciated the depth or understood um, all of the experiences these characters have had as a teenager, as a young person, I might have identified with mm -hmm. at certain points in time, but it wasn't until I look, I can look back and see Natasha as a 40 year old looking back. Oh, I did that before. Oh, I fell in for fallen for an Anatole before, or that mm -hmm. was my experience. Or I, you know, I fell in love every other day. Heck I'm Natasha with books every day. I come home. I'm like, this has changed my life you have to read this. And my kids are like, that's what you said yesterday. I don't believe you. Except with War and Peace, it's true. But it's true. <laughs> but I'm like, it's, it's totally, true. it's totally <laughs> this true. This time it's for real. It's this for real. Time. This okay. is for real. This is it. This is it. But no, I, right. I do. I think there's just, um, there is this kind of um, stigma, I guess, or that people reference it all the time. It was actually in the Peanuts movie. Yes. Have you seen the I was Peanuts wondering. Movie? I did see it that It was in the Peanuts son. movie. He's like, that yes, you, you need to read Warren, um, um, Leo's to Leo's toy store by Warren Peace. The yeah. kids were making it, and you know Charlie Brown goes home and over the weekend to true impress a girl, he has to read this giant book. Um, and, and if you remember that scene, one of the funniest things is he picks it up to read it, and the first part is in French, as we talked about. Yeah. And he immediately falls asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts his head down, and then later he gets into it, and he writes an, an amazing, amazing essay, essay about it. And, and then it gets all shredded, and of course he's Charlie Brown, so it can't turn out well for him. Nothing but, it works out well for him. But it's very it Tolstoy. It's very Tolstoy. <laughs> Charlie Brown guy. is Tolstoy. Well, he's Pierre. He or is. Pierre. He's Pierre. Or, um, That's an essay Dennis. right there. Charlie <laughs> yeah, Brown as Pierre. Pierre. There's your dissertation so for your Russian, yeah, Russian literature PhD. Yes. I, was, I smacked my kid's leg that day when we were in, I was like, see, <laughs> if, you, if your mom hadn't been reading Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace, you wouldn't get how funny this is. He's like, no, I... Um, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good at that. Like I'm good. But no, there's just a lot of depth here and but it's it's beautiful and it's very easy to read. It's I mean it's um it's so inviting the storyline. Somebody had said earlier in the discussion that it was like a soap opera and that's what I explained. I said Chekhov is the grandfather of the modern soap opera, the parlor room drama. Everything happens in the parlor and it's wistful and it's romantic and guns go off and there's drama. Mm -hmm. But um this too is this, you know, really getting the insights into the human um, condition and relationships and love and why we do what we do at, on, the, on a m micro level, macro level. I mean, what he says about truth, what he says about God, what he says about beauty, all that's interwoven with who's in love with who. 
How yeah. is Nikolai going to get a kiss from Sonia? Right. Um, and, and there is, I will say this, there is also the overall geopolitics in the book. Um, right. Tolstoy clearly, I mean, it's only 50, 60 years after the events in question that he's writing this. So it would be about one of us writing about something in the, in the 50s or 1960s. So he's getting things historically, I, I, as I understand it, very accurate. And it's interesting to track what's going on because characters are representing different, I think, things that are happening in Russia and in Europe at that mm -hmm. time. And this, these six years covered in this section are years of relative peace. Uh, there's been the Treaty of Tilsit, so they're not fighting Napoleon any longer. Um, it's pre-invasion of Russia, so there's a lot more interior drama, a lot more domestic drama, but there are references to some of the treaties and what's going on, um, and soldiers are coming to and from their, uh, their stations, and our, our Anatoly goes off and, and has a dalliance and gets a shotgun wedding in Poland. I mean, and so there is connections with the outside world that happen throughout, and Andre disappears for a good part of this section on a trip through Europe. So, and some of that comes back in. So it's also connected. It's not solely in the parlor, mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Right. There are these threads yeah. and connections. And when we talked about briefly with Speransky, the great reformer in Russia who comes and goes in this volume, he, he has his moment of ascension. And then by the end of this volume, uh, he's, he's literally cast out of Russia, yeah. kicked out of the country. And, and so that's all going on too. Right. So. And it goes way, I mean, Chekhov is the parlor, but this goes way beyond. Yeah. We, we go on hunts or, or um, we go into the country. We have Mummer's experience. We get a very um, inside view of the Russian culture, like balls, dinners. The scene that we talked about before that everybody fell in love with was the seduction scene, but was a seduction by Moscow as well. Um, a, a girl leaving the confines of her estate being country estate, the country yeah. estate and being brought into this world of um, elegance and beauty and um, theater and art and everybody knows it's like neurological your mind is blown uh, when you see art and when you experience it so sh that this for her was she went from singing and wooing everybody in her own living living room to going to Moscow and being in the opera and just watching, I mean, I felt like what she was seeing all around and all the different boxes and the coming and going of the people and um, it was just so overwhelming. And I, I mean, I remember being a kid and going to the theater for the first time and um, how amazing that was. And so everything that she has ever known has been transformed. How how did he write that scene that way without ever having been a 15-year-old girl? I mean, <laughs> just, the way that, that scene is so well rendered. Because I don't think you have to be a 15-year-old girl to understand it. I think he's so, it's, ge it's not gender specific to be yeah. blown oh. away by art. But I think when he talks about, there's so much reference to how the ladies are dressed yes. and that they're so much more bare Fair. than they yes. ever would be. Work. Their arms are exposed, their breasts are exposed. <laughs> and that's part of the lack of moral barrier between her and Anatole that allows them to get much closer than maybe they should have. And I think that particular sense of being on display and being seen and you know, like nearly being touched in a certain way, the gaze making you a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit blushed, that, the, the idea that old man Leo Tolstoy was able to recreate that sense and that feeling was phenomenal. He's a genius. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about that because we talked about in our first, uh, in our discussion here in this room about the first volume that it was pretty male driven. I mean, there are female characters, mm -hmm. but I felt like this 300 pages, Natasha is such a central character mm -hmm. and she blossoms and is ultimately ruined. And again, I'm a man reading this, but I thought it was 
an amazing portrayal of a female character. You all felt the same way? I, I, he clearly is able yeah. to portray female characters when but he wants to. Natasha is one who's driving a ton of the action. And yeah. we talked about this a little bit in our discussion, but one of the people who's ultimately the savior of Natasha is another incredibly strong and incredibly powerful woman, the, um, Maria Dmitrievna. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's um, terrific. She's the one who kind of orchestrates mm -hmm. the end of the elopement, who comes up with a plan to rehabilitate Natasha such as that might be possible. You know, it's and meanwhile, Count Rostov is driving his family to bankruptcy <laughs> without any sort of clue that there's anything wrong. So, I imagine her to be like the dowager on Downton Abbey, the uh, the old yes. dowager. Yes, yes, she yes. has yes. That, that cadence, the snarky comments, the you're picturing the face. Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. Maggie Just Smith. No, I love that. No nonsense. But what I'm what I'm saying is not gender specific. I'm saying it's very human. Yeah. Like he mm -hmm. observes human nature. Um in such minute detail. Like he, I mean, I don't think you'd have to experience it to watch and see. Right. He, I think he had 13 children. Yes, that's I true. somewhat think of myself as an expert now in boys, even though I <laughs> was not a boy, but getting to spend that much time with a boy, I can anticipate feelings. I know exactly what's coming. I, you know, I know what's in his head. I know what he's thinking before he is. And the same with my daughter at this point. Um, and so he had 13 of those children. He was observing very closely their actions. They're saying, I love the, the sections where she climbs in bed with her mom and she's mm -hmm. Natasha's with her mother and they're talking very closely and, um, you know, sharing all these intimate details. And it's like, it all happens all day in front of mom, but it's, I, we've all been there. And part of the reason she has trouble, trouble in, um, in Moscow is that her mother is not, not there. there. Yes. Like if she had just been able to climb in bed with her mother and process, you know, Anatole is flirting with me. I feel like there's no barrier of modesty between us. Her mother would have trundled her off yep. away from him so quickly. Right. But Count Rostov just, he know he, even Count Rostov can tell that this is not good. When and they show so up at that yeah. one party where um, th th there are a lot of people with bad reputations, yeah. that was yeah. a great scene. But as a, as a classic kind of clueless father, what does he do? He just says, you know, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, right, he, right. he leaves the girls and says, I, "This is too I mean, much he, for he me." Is such yeah. a, he, yeah. we, he, I think he's such a warm-hearted, clueless, silly old man, and, and he, he shows it. And he says, that, "Boy, I wish my wife was here. She'd know how to yes. deal with all this." I'm, I'm taking off. Yeah. And but unfortunately, he leaves. He leaves her there, and look what happens. Right. She gets. And Sonia really comes ensnared. through though, too. She does. Yeah. And she tries, but it's different she, than a mother, a friend, yes. because she. Because Natasha could play the um, friend card, like you're no, you're, I'm never gonna be your friend anymore. Kind yeah, of like, how yeah. could you do this to me? And Sonia's kind of like, oh, I don't. Where a mother would be like, I don't care. Like this is not happening. So, but I, I feel like Tolstoy really had insight into all ages, all different experiences, oh, he, because he he watched it so closely and intently. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean. I I thought he did a fabulous job um, explaining what it feels like to be attractive or feel attractive to an, the other man and know people are looking at you. But I feel like men know that too. They know when somebody's looking at them, and like even when she knew, like she was, she knew he was staring at her. So, so she, she turned, turned in profile. Turned profile. <laughs> like there's all these things. Like yep, she it's still catch my good side. Catch she my good catch side. My good these side. things are still happening. Yeah. You know. Um, it's so interesting day. how he gives us access to the interior thoughts of some characters and not others. Like when Andre comes back from Europe and finds out that Natasha has had this elopement and, and or, you know, planned elopement 
and um, he and Nat- he sends back Natasha's letters and sends back her portrait and like basically hardens his heart to her. He, we don't really get a lot of access to his thought process there, do we? And it's not that we haven't had access to his thought process before, right. even at the beginning of this part, and particularly in part one, we had so much right. access to Prince Andre in the battlefield, and in the beginning of this part, part two, we had a lot more access right. to him. Right, when he's he's kind of going back and forth between like turning it into a version of his father or believing that even at 31, he might still have a few good years ahead of him. When we get all that incredible dialogue and description about the oak tree that yes. he passes back oh. and forth on the way to the Rostov's house. I that, love that. Right. So but it's then, strange that we get But it does off. heighten the suspense that we don't know where he's coming from as, as their engagement breaks up. Like we don't know how, if he would ever be open to her, how he's feeling about her, what happened to him in Europe. We really know very little yeah. about if he had any other romantic or, kind of flings yeah. in Europe. So maybe it heightens our, I mean, I know I can't wait to start volume three and figure out like what, what will happen between Pierre and Natasha and Prince Andre. I, I think that's intentional because if you remember at the end of, we don't know if he's alive or dead at the end right. of part yeah. one. And we don't know for a long time. <gasps> When they uh, dropped, know. when he dropped that line at the end of the yeah. paragraph, I was like, Tolstoy, you dog, you buried the lead at the <laughs> exactly. end of this paragraph. I gasped yeah. when it mm-hmm. happened. And, when and, what and happened? Then, when he walked when away? Tolstoy claims that and- Prince Andre is dead. Yeah. yeah. At the very end of, the, of a chapter. He's presumed mm-hmm. dead after Austria. He's presumed dead. And we don't hear from him. We, we, we open this, this part, part and there's page after chapter after chapter about Nikolai and the Rostovs, and he's doing that to us on purpose. Yes! Yes. We don't know if Andre's alive for a long time, and then he shows up, of course, to watch his wife die and see his son born, but then he disappears to Europe again. So I think Andre's intentionally being kept from us, so to speak. There's some mystery to him. He's not as accessible as Pierre, certainly, Mm -hmm. or Natasha, who's an open book. Every time we see Natasha, we're in her head and in her feelings. And Pierre, I feel like there are times when we get in there, but they're rare. Mm-hmm. They're more rare. And maybe, I think that's intentional. I mean, we'll see what happens in 600 pages well, it right. also more. it makes me wonder, from a male perspective, I want to ask you this, because it seems to me that when my husband says, I'm not thinking about anything, he's not thinking about <laughs> anything. Like, whereas I am never not thinking about anything. In fact, I have 97 th- thoughts going on right now behind the thought I'm speaking. And there are <laughs> truly times he's like, seriously, I got nothing. Or when he's done with somebody, it's just very, and I always thought this was like a condition, a difference between us. It's he's done. Like, no, I'm done with that person. I'm good. And you're like, really? Because don't you think we should work this out? Should we put it in together? No, I'm good inside. So I I wonder if this is very male too, where Andre would go, um, she made her bed. She can lay in it. I'm good. So I'm Joe, we'd like you to speak for all men. So for I would like men. you to speak Jeez. for all men. And what did you think about that? The the closed off feelings, yeah. the artifice of I, I don't have any feelings about this, I, or, or it's not societally okay to have feelings about a girl who's tarnished me. Wouldn't I? Yeah, I feel like part of it is setting up Andre to okay. explain why he becomes his father. I feel like, okay. and it's very explicit at one point where he. He even starts gesturing like his father, yeah. talks about the bitterness like his father. He, he tries, he dallies in politics and tries to do that military reform thing, which doesn't really, mm-hmm. he doesn't Work really out. throw himself. I, I think Andre is meant to be somebody who you're not going to get that deep with and who ultimately is going to be, unfortunately, that ugly, bitter old man who's cursing the government, who's, you know, he had a failed attempt at, uh, he had one marriage where she died. He's not going to be emotionally accessible to his son. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he, he hasn't been so far. He's yeah. not going to be. And I feel like that's the Andre you're going to get. Okay. Oh. But we'll see. Oh, so <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. He's so <laughs> handsome, though. He's I handsome. Know. He's dead. He's but, but rich. I think it's true. It's like this. But how somebody do becomes the bitter old man. man. I mean, think about what his father must have been under, under Zarina right. Catherine, right? He was a, a paramour of Catherine the yeah. Great. He was everything. And now he's sitting in this out in the country abusing his daughter yeah. verbally and emotionally yeah. and yeah. closed off and nasty in every single way. How do you get to be still that way? Still wearing the wig, too, and right? Still wearing and then the wearing the old-fashioned I think you're clothing. saying this is how you get to be that That's, way. And Annie, oh. they, they gave us a taste for that because we see uh, Mariah becoming or catching herself doing things that she despises in her father, mm-hmm. like abusing her Because she nephew. could be saved. She, she could be saved, and she yeah. doesn't want to be like that. And she has so much compassion and understanding and, like, why he is the way he is. But whereas I think you're right, Andre lacks the, the self-awareness to see that this is happening to him slowly. And maybe this is the evolution of how things become what they become. Like, how does the man become the bitter old man? Oh, my God, I hope not. Because oh. uh, that would be such a... There would and be I, a loss. It would be such a loss. I hope there's some trans. There's hope in that there's transformation or. At the end of this part, there's not much hope for Andre. He's yeah. closing, th- literally closing, closing up, up things, things. Yeah. returning things, right. getting bitter. I think he's his arc is headed way down. Oh. Happily, on a happy note, Pierre maybe is going to find some happiness. You hope. Yeah, God I think love his him, arc Pierre is good. has got this arc upward where he's. I don't know. What I else hope. are you looking forward to? We need to wrap up here <laughs> yeah. in a few oh, minutes, but what are we what are we looking forward to in volume three? What well you, what questions would you like answered? I what's gonna happen with the war? I I don't wanna get any I don't wanna have to put money in the spoiler jar, but I already read ahead a little bit, so now I'm like, Oh, I know, you know, yeah. we all know what happens. Like Don't Well we <laughs> but people who have read history books, right? We do mm-hmm. know that. Right. France invades Russia. Like right, we happens. do know that part, and then you can stop <laughs> but there. But I guess what what happens if any of these soldiers are killed? Right, or any um, relationships change, transforms. I really want um, the despicable wife Helene or yes. Helena to, to be <gasps> like be to down. go down. She drives me crazy. I just want some repercussions for the bad guys because the good guys just keep getting hammered in this book. Right. Like, Den- how do you say his name? Denisov? Mm-hmm. Or Dolokhov. Dolokhov's the really evil. He's the rogue. Oh, are Yo, you no. talking about Denisov? Denisov, the, the guy who's still... Military buddy. Nothing good's going to happen to Denisov, good. I gotta believe. What, I, what do you think? No, I agree. No, I, I think, think Denisov is at the end of his rope. I think yeah, he's Yeah, I, I think they're all kind of gone. It's just, it's hard to but see. But what will and I happen hope to Princess uh, Mariah? I hope... And what will happen to... I hope she um, gets married. I, I hope somebody comes in and is like, you are beautiful. And she can take her ward, her nephew, and... And just be happy be somewhere happy and somewhere. Stop, stop the abuse. Because her life has been nothing but horrendous since the day she was born, and that girl deserves a break. Yeah, she um, does deserve a break. I'd like to see something happy for her. Um, I'd like to see Nikolai, Nikolai, like be a little, have a little bit more depth. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's gonna, he is going to do Sonya wrong. You know, Sonya's been waiting around for Nikolai. She's been mm. waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, who, would she, who would he go with? Who do you think? Well, he needs to marry for money. His family's finances are going but to Julie's be a big... But gone. He's turned that down once. He's well, right. Princess Maria's still available. Who is? Maria. <gasps> mm. Ooh. 
There's a wealthy twist. bride on the market. <laughs> well, right. and he, you know, he's still pretty. Um, We're not gonna go. He's still pretty right. superficial in a lot of ways, and and this invasion is gonna be harsh. So what will? How will he develop? Yeah. How will he change? That's would, what I'm thinking. Would too. he he's and Sonya still be a good match, or will mm-hmm. he outgrow her? She's just kind of waiting, biding her time, but. Um, I and mean, I feel like tough. Nikolai represents, to a certain extent, young Russia. He's had his moments to be a man, and, and he's failed several times. His first experience of battle was an utter failure. His, at the hunt, he ultimately failed. He wants to be a man. Yeah. And this invasion coming, I feel like we're going to see. Can he step up? And we know what Russia ultimately does is they, again, they do ultimately repel Napoleon, is that will be Russia's ultimately becoming, you know, Nikolai himself and maybe representing Russia will step up and, and finally answer the call, answer the challenge mm-hmm. that's going to face him out there in the, in the larger world. And then we'll see what it does to his inner life. Right. That's the thing about Tolstoy's. All this stuff happens externally, and then what's interesting is what, what does it do to their internal life yeah. right. that these things are happening? And some things happen to them, and how do they internalize it? Mm-hmm. So that'll be what's fascinating. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. I, I, all of the characters. I, I, I hope Pierre and Natasha end up together. Um, I like I have hopes like for couplehood, but I don't I'm not I'm not investing in anything because I keep being surprised. <laughs> so, but um, I don't know. I just I definitely had exclamations reading the second half of Volume Two. <laughs> <gasps> no, really, I can't believe it. I was I was amazed. I was amazed. I did not see Anatoly coming into this. I, did I, not know. I really thought that she was going to marry Andre, Natasha and Andre were going to and then there was going to be some family. I don't know. Yes. I did oh, not I saw see. It. This this hour this uh, year long break was not destined. Why to did he well. go? It was such Again, a bad Andre idea. Again, that's Andre being Andre. Andre he's he should not up. have gone. He's not going to do what his father doesn't want him to do. And she knew he shouldn't go. It was bad. Yeah. Well, so, wow. I think that's a great place to end. All right. Okay. Great expectations. Thank you for joining us today on the 12th story. We encourage you to subscribe via your preferred podcast app. We're available on the iTunes store and on SoundCloud. And if you like listening, tell your friends or tweet to us at Mercantile Lib. That's Mercantile L-I-B. Today's podcast was directed and engineered by Chris Messick. Special thanks to our guests, Becky Cole, Joe Hyde, and Mary Curran Hackett. The Twelfth Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati. Our theme music was created by Doug McDermott. Don't forget to visit us online at www.mercantilelibrary.com, where you can learn about our library and our upcoming events. Have a great week.